Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. I'm glad you are with us online, Unfiltered Radio, in the house. My name is Bryant Lee, pastor here. Um, In just a second, we're going to dive into the final part of this series. But I want to give you a heads up. Next week, we start a brand new series I can't wait to preach called What Your Life is Missing. And the whole idea around this series is a lot of us just kind of run through these seasons where we feel disconnected. We kind of feel like something is off, something is missing. And a lot of times we don't draw this connection or this link between some of those feelings and our calling and literally what God has ordained for us, specifically if you're a follower of Jesus, as part of this movement called the church. And yet there is this inextricable link. And so we're going to talk about it for the next three weeks. Um, I cannot wait for this series, and we talk about this a lot. Invest and invite. Um, Our church is all about this. In fact, it was founded kind of on this idea is we want to be a church for the community. And so invest in those relationships you have around you. Get 30 seconds of courage to invite them because a lot of what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks, people feel this tension. And so it's an easy invite. And uh, I believe God's going to work through this. And a lot of times when you invest, what happens is it's not just about an invite to church. It opens the door to conversation, getting to know your neighbors. Like God does so much through it. And I could tell you so many stories. So next week, brand new series. Can't wait for it. Make sure you invite somebody. You guys ready to land the plane on this series? Part five of To Hell With Normal. And I got like three excited people. So here's what the whole series is about. You're just joining us online or you're in the house today is we're just talking about the fact that we've got to reevaluate what it looks like to go back to normal. And we've heard a lot of that talk over the last 10 months for good reason, but there's some things about normal or our version of normal that you have to rethink and that honestly we should never go back to. And here's specifically what we're talking about in regard to our pace, our lifestyle, our schedules. And normal as we've defined it is this, overwhelmed, busy, distracted, anxious, social media addicted, always in a hurry, can't seem to get it all done, and we can't ever seem to stop. And we've said this throughout the series, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. You ask a 14-year-old, they're like, I'm just busy all the time. You ask somebody who's retired, you ask somebody in the middle or raising four kids, I'm in college. I mean, at every level of life, it feels like we're kind of on this pace of, I always have more to do than I can get done without hurrying. And I always feel overwhelmed and I'm always kind of looking to the next thing. And it's just our culture. I've said this over and over again in the series, but before there was even a pandemic, anxiety rates rose 39% year over year nationally. Like that is an emotional epidemic. The average anxiety rate, as I've said, for a teenager today is that of a psych ward patient in the 1950s. Like, that's crazy. That reveals that, like, something is off and something is wrong. And so our whole goal in this series is to get to a place to go to hell with normal. Like, regardless of what everybody else is doing, 
regardless of what is normal, regardless of how everybody else is handling their schedule, this is in a lot of cases not what we were designed for. It's not the pace even that we were designed to live at. And if we wanna be at our best in terms of what God's called us to, in terms of where we wanna end up emotionally, in terms of where we want our relationships to be, you have to rethink what normal is. And what we said is you can easily prioritize and move yourself in a direction of life where you wake up in five years and realize I'm at a destination that I didn't even really want. And you didn't plan to get there. You just didn't plan not to get there. Because here's the thing in a hurry culture that we talked about. The first thing to go in a hurry hustle culture where everything is out of control, the first thing to go is awareness. Like awareness of you, awareness of kind of where you're going in the relationships in your life, and, and this is maybe most important if you're a follower of Jesus, awareness of where you're at in your relationship with God. And, and here's the thing, when there is no awareness, it constantly leads you to this place where you are disconnected and you are never present in the moment, and all of your relationships suffer. So before I dive into where we want to go today, uh, here's the thought I was thinking. Do you remember when there was this thing um, known as boredom? Like when you, and I'm not talking about where your Instagram feed doesn't load in three seconds and you're like, ah, what am I gonna do with my time? I'm not talking about when you've got slow Wi-Fi. I'm talking about legitimate boredom. Like where you are, you know, in a you know, poli psych class or you're at the movies and you're waiting or you end up in line somewhere and the only thing that you had to do was wait. I know for some of you that seems like a land of magical unicorns, but like, you know what I'm talking about? There's no phone, there's nothing to reach for. If you're an introvert back in the day, that was a terrifying thing. Like, oh God, please, nobody talk to me. Like, I just wanna be in the line and nobody bother me. But there was nothing to do other than wait. Like if you got on a plane and you read your book, like you just went to Sky Magazine, right? Like you just had maybe a couple hours to kill. Um, here's the other thing. I don't know if anybody had this happen. Um, where your parents forgot, this is me being vulnerable here and, and calling out my dad, and he's probably gonna push back against this story that is absolutely true that I'm about to tell. But I got um, not picked up from school multiple times. And other than trying to dial a landline, there was no way to get a hold of anybody. And so you just waited for hours until the lights came on at school and you're still there waiting for your parents to remember they had a fourth kid that had not been picked up from school yet. Did that happen to anybody else in the house? Okay. Part of that's just therapy and me getting it out. Um, but that happened. And you just, you just had to wait. But like, legitimately boredom was a real thing. Now, here's the thing. I'm not suggesting that anybody wants to go back to that. I don't wanna go back to that, but my point is this, that there is something valuable about that space and that margin, even when you don't plan for it. That in fact, something happens, especially when you're from a spiritual level, I'm gonna talk about in a few minutes where you're kind of connected in a relationship with God where if there is never any space, if there's never any moments, and again, even the random moments that we don't seem to have anymore. Uh, like there was a survey that Microsoft did among young adults and 77% said that the moment they feel any kind of boredom, the first thing they do is, you can guess it, reach for their phones. Like 77%. There can't be a moment where I have quiet. There can't be a moment where I'm bored. So immediately I'm back on a social media feed. I'm back on news. I'm shopping. I'm looking at the weather. I mean, whatever it is, but there can never be any space. And the thing is, for a lot of us, we don't understand the effect that that has on us to think, to breathe, to connect. But again, in a hurry culture where there's no awareness and then you end up never present, it is impacting all of the relationships in your life. 
and it is in impacting your relationship with God. And here's the question that we have talked about all throughout this series that you really have to take some time to nail down and answer, and it's this. What is the price of your current pace? Like, what is the price of your current pace? Because there is always a price associated with our pace, our lifestyle, what we're doing, how we're programming our life. And you are going to end up somewhere. And you're not just going to end up somewhere in terms of your schedule or where you feel emotionally. You are going to end up somewhere on purpose in regard to your connection with God. And here's the thing for a lot of us. If we were to really answer that question, what's the price of my current pace in regard to you caring about a connection with God or following Jesus, the conclusion that you would come to is it is killing my relationship. I don't have to guess on this because of what I do. Like there is an epidemic in regard to this idea of I love God. I wanna follow God. At some level, I wanna follow Jesus. He feels so distant I feel so disconnected all the time. I don't feel like I'm ever making traction in that relationship. And here's the reality that we so easily miss. Like any relationship, your relationship with God requires the same thing. It requires space. It requires margin. It requires time to think and time to breathe. Like like every relationship, you cannot be efficient in relationships. And in a lot of cases, the huge impact for all of us at the price that we are running at is we are struggling in our relationship to follow Jesus. And the reason is this, culture is not the big enemy. And here's the thing, we wanna make an enemy about everything. Like it's the evil of culture, it's culture itself, it's politics, it's this, it's that. And we're talking about all of these enemies out here that are somehow warring against our spiritual health and we forget the one enemy that is actually impacting us above and beyond any other. And it is not culture, it is not evil, it is not some political agenda, it is distraction. Like the greatest enemy to your spiritual health is none of those things. It is distraction. We are being distracted into disconnection. And the reason in our culture we're so, why so many people feel so disconnected and dis- distant, it's, it's not a big mystery. It is you are living in an age where I'm so thankful for all the things we have and we can be more efficient than ever. This is not me railing against that, but it's this realization that it is the hardest time ever to make connections in relationship. And our generation is suffering in regard to our connection with God because everything is warring against that. So it's why all throughout the New Testament, you see this practice that Jesus models that is basically this invitation of, I want, you, I want you to follow this way. That if you do this, what Jesus models, this is the way to regain or to maintain connection with God. This is the way to, to make traction in your spiritual journey. But I'm telling you, there is nothing more non-2021 than this. There is nothing more countercultural than what I wanna look at for a couple minutes. And in some regards, what I'm gonna talk about has been so hijacked by legalism, we've gone the other direction. But I'm telling you, like what Jesus models in the New Testament, we have to recapture specifically around this whole idea of connection with Jesus and spiritual health and spiritual growth. And if you're not a Jesus follower, like I get it and you're trying to figure it out and you've got questions and you've got, I'm sure some really good questions and seeming contradiction in the scripture. So I understand all that. But at some level, if you're tuning in or you're listening or you're in the seats, there's some level of I wanna know about this 
And, and this idea is so powerful, even if you're not sure about the whole Jesus thing. But you have to recapture this because literally what Jesus models throughout the New Testament is what he meant in that verse that we started the whole series with in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, when Jesus said this, and it was his invitation. He said, take my yoke, and literally yoke meant, I want you to take my way of life. I want you to look at my lifestyle and I want you to adopt my lifestyle upon you and then learn because it's not natural from me. And so one of the ways, if you want to discover what it looks like to have connection with Jesus and grow in spiritual health is you just need to watch Jesus. You need to look at Jesus' life. You need to adopt Jesus' lifestyle. When Jesus started his whole ministry, we looked at this briefly around Christmas, but Jesus has this moment where he's baptized in the Jordan River by John and he comes up out of the water. And again, if you're trying to investigate, this is such a weird moment, so I'll just acknowledge that. But a voice comes out of nowhere and it's like, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And we believe that that was literally God the Father with his proclamation over Jesus' life as Jesus starting his ministry of, hey, my paraphrase, if you wanna know what God is like, watch my boy. If you want to know how God interacts, watch my boy. If you want to know the type of lifestyle you should adopt, watch my boy. Because all that God is, all that God wants to say, all that God wants to model, everything that God wants you to follow, it's all going to be wrapped up in Jesus, who is God in flesh coming to humanity. So if you ever have questions, if it ever gets gray, look at Jesus and Jesus' lifestyle and your heavenly father is going, it all centers around him. So if you want to know the way forward, just check out my boy. Just watch my boy and model your life after him. And here's what you find over and over again. Jesus is baptized in the Jordan. He gets out, dries off, and he's like, peacing out. And they don't see him for 40 days. Like, he just leaves. And, he, and this is like an odd interaction that for a long time I didn't understand. And, and again, like, there's so many weird moments in this. And I always think about skeptics because we have so many join us. So don't get lost in some of the weirdness of what I'm going to talk about and stay with me all the way to the end. Um, Jesus goes into the wilderness. And in fact, um, Matthew records it in Matthew 4.1. He says, then, this is right after Jesus was baptized, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and I'm going to come back to this, but there's that, that wilderness is a little Greek word, eramos, and it literally means desolate, solitary place, or the other translation is quiet place. And you see this over and over and over and over again all throughout the New Testament. So Jesus goes to the wilderness, or literally to the quiet place, to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2, after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and verse 3, the tempter came to him. And for years, like, I would read this and be like, okay, like, I know it's Jesus, so all due respect, that did not seem like the wisest thing to do. Like, it seems like you got your wires crossed, and, like, that was not the time that should have been a couple months into your ministry. Like, you just got started. Probably not the place for you to end up, because now you are hungry, you're in a quiet place, you're away from the town, and everybody knows how it's going to go down, right? I mean, even if you don't aren't into the Bible thing, just literature, there's the protagonist, the antagonist, like, something's going to go down eventually, like, they're going to meet, and this is the moment where the enemy is going up against Jesus. Like, Jesus, you should have picked a better time to have that all go down. You should have been well-fed. Like you should have had like some other people on standby. This is not the time for you to be in the wilderness. And I love what John Mark Comer says is that oftentimes we confuse the wilderness with weakness. We confuse this whole idea of the quiet place and what Jesus is gonna model over and over again is somehow it's weak, somehow it's gonna zap strength when the opposite was true. Jesus was unbelievably strategic in this moment. 
And he modeled this lifestyle all throughout his ministry that the moment he was baptized, he's like, it is about to go down. And Jesus goes away. And this wasn't isolation in terms of disconnection from, from community because you'd see Jesus operating in community and relationships his entire life. But he goes away to the quiet place because he understands that I am about to face an enemy that I'm about to be confronted. I'm about to have some stuff come against me. And unless I have connection with my heavenly father, unless I go to this place to gain strength and gain perspective and gain what I need in terms of my identity and my calling, I'm never going to be able to survive it. And so literally Jesus is like, I'm out. And he connects with God. He creates time and space to think and the strength that he needed literally to go and fight the opposition that he knew was coming his way. Later on, um, you see Jesus doing this again and again in Mark 135. So Jesus, you know, and you can read it for yourself, has that whole back and forth with the enemy, with Satan. And then he leaves that and then his ministry starts. And so there's like this marathon every day of like he's healing people, he's teaching people, he's healing people, he's teaching people. Like now it's going. And in Mark 135, in the midst of all of that, like Jesus is teaching, Jesus is exhausted. And then yeah, find out like how he responds. Verse 35, Mark 1, very early after a full day of healing and teaching, very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. And again, same Greek word, eremos, quiet place, solitary place. The whole idea of like, I, I need connection with my heavenly father. And here's the thing, like all throughout the New Testament, you see this in other stories with Elijah, like God gives so much attention in regard to our physical health. And we've talked a lot about that throughout the four weeks of the series. So go back and watch and listen to those. But this is the moment where sometimes we get it confused because you think, man, you just had a full day of like teaching. Like this is the day you sleep in and get some brunch. Um, this is the day that like you take it easy for a little while. Like you don't wake up early after that and then like head out. Like that's not what you do in regard to your pace. And yet Jesus gets up and he had just been in the desert for 40 days. And then he's all in this marathon of ministry. And then he goes right back to this quiet place to pray, to think. And here's what you will find. This was not a one-time thing. This was the rhythm of Jesus' life over and over and over and over again. And so I love this verse 36, Simon, who had become Peter, and his companions went to look for Jesus. And when they found him, they explained, everybody is looking for you. And this is like, again, my translation. Hey, things are blowing up. Like hashtag Jesus is trending. You are finally getting everybody's attention. The crowds are huge. Like we went to nothing, to everything. Like everybody wants to come and hear you speak. Everybody wants to, to be healed. Everybody's talking about Jesus. This is the worst time. The, I mean, the, the worst strategic point for you to go, I'm gonna take off for a few minutes or I'm gonna take a day. Like you've gotta keep this momentum going. You gotta make sure that you get back in this. You can't afford to peace out. And so verse 38, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. And this is huge and it's so easy to miss. Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. Because this is such a big statement. That's why I've come. This is Jesus for, no. No, we're not, we're not gonna do that. I'm not gonna go back there again. I got a different plan. I'm leaving this moment absolutely certain with so much clarity about what God wants, about what I need to say no to, about what I need to say yes to, 
about what my calling is, about what my identity is. And yes, I am physically exhausted and there is a time where I just need to get some rest. But in this moment, Jesus is realizing I need that time away because I need clarity. I need to know where I need to go next. I need to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. And what you find is Jesus strategically goes to this quiet place and he emerges with this unbelievable sense of energy and clarity of I know exactly what I need to do. And I'm saying no to that, and I'm saying yes to this, and it's the whole reason I needed to get away and connect with my heavenly father because sometimes there are worse things than physical exhaustion. I need to know what God wants and where God is leading me. And then later in Mark 6, he's with his disciples, and again, his disciples are dead tired. <laughs> like again, they're healing, they're teaching, they're going with Jesus wherever Jesus went. They're in the middle of the desert for the most part. And in Mark 6, 31, many people were coming and going and they didn't even have a chance to eat. Just pause real quick. This is what I love about the realism. They are overtired, they're over busy. Like, and it, it, throughout this series, we've said this, it's not that your life is not gonna get to this point, it will. They're overtired, they're over busy, they have not had a chance to rest. And Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. And guess what the Greek word is? Eremos. Like Jesus is going over and over again, all throughout the gospels, this is my top priority. Like this is the thing that I'm prioritizing above everything else. And he says, let's go to a quiet place and get some rest. And here's the thing, here's what Jesus in this moment is saying, because this is Jesus. This is just some friend going, let's go, let's go get some rest. This is Jesus going, listen, what you need right now, you think you just need a beer night out with friends. You think you just need a binge or we just need to go out and hang. All of those things are great. You should do that. But Jesus in this moment, because you guys are so confused by your physical exhaustion, you think the thing that you need more than anything is we just need to hang out. We just need to go relax. And Jesus is going, no, what you actually need in this moment is connection with me. What you need more than anything else is to go away with me, to spend some time with me. This is the thing that should be top priority in your life. And so verse 32, they went away by themselves on a boat to a Aramis, solitary, quiet place. And at this point, like they're getting away with Jesus and they're like, finally, do you're running us ragged. Like we need some time to ourselves. And then again, I love like how this is just written at street level. It's just real, verse 33, but this is our lives. Many who saw them leaving recognized them and they ran on foot from all the towns and they got there ahead of them. And you know, the disciples are all in for ministry, but you gotta think, and you've had those moments, they're showing up going, are you serious? I just send these people home. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. I love this. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And by this time, it was late in the day. And again, I, I love this because this is just real. Like this is, hey, we need to get away. We need some time by ourselves. We, we need to be in the quiet. And then something gets in the way of that. Like this is us. Like, okay, I just need a, a few minutes. And then when you are not planning it, your kid jams medicine up his nose and then that derails your evening or gets his head stuck in a banister. And you got to figure out how do I get your huge head out of that banister when I just wanted some quiet and all those are real stories from the golden household. Like just those things that happen. I don't know. You're in a dorm room and suddenly like you just want a night and your friend comes into the dorm room and they want to talk for two hours and they're in tears and it's not what you plan, but you just have to be in the moment. 
It's those things of like, okay, I need this, but something just interrupts it and gets in the way. It's just life. And so Jesus is trying to get these guys to a solitary place. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people are showing up. And then I won't go through the story. This is this incredible, miraculous story as if you know, they hadn't done enough. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. 5,000 plus people all get some loaves and fish and some bread. And then on the backside of that, verse 45, as soon as they were done immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. And while he dismissed the crowd, verse 46, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to do what? To pray. And again, go back to all the other messages. You'll see this incredible pace in Jesus' life where often he's going away and he's getting rest. Often he's replenishing. So much of the time, like he's so busy and yet Jesus is never in a hurry. But Jesus also understood this dynamic that that this is the only time that he had. Like, is Jesus super spiritual? Yes. But the reason that with all that's going on, he's going away to pray is, is not simply because he's super spiritual and he's Jesus. He understood in this moment, I have to have this. I have to connect with my heavenly father. Like literally in this moment, and this is not always the case because sometimes the chief desire and need that you have is you just need to sleep. <laughs> you just need to get physical rest. You just need to turn everything off. But in this moment, Jesus is going, the thing that I actually need more than anything else is not even sleep. Like I have to connect with my heavenly father because here's what Jesus taught. Here's what we need to understand is we are mind, body, soul, spirit, and all of it works together. And your physical health and replenishment will affect you spiritually. Sometimes you are where you are spiritually, first four messages of this series, because things are out of control in terms of the pace of your life. And it's not disconnection with God, it's not, you're not creating any space, any time. But the opposite is true as well. Sometimes you are where you are physically because of what is going on spiritually. And I say that because you are a complex, layered human being. And this is something the church has kind of been behind on for a lot of years. It's why we're so slow with counseling and mental health and psychology and getting people what they actually need because we don't understand the dynamic taught throughout scripture. You are mind, body, soul, and spirit, and it all works together. God created you that way. And there's moments where the thing that actually needs attention is your spiritual health. One of my favorite verses that I quoted last week, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord, delighting in God, being with God, finding thankfulness and gratitude and spending time in relationship with God. The joy of the Lord is actually your strength. And we always equate that as just spiritual strength. It's not. It literally has a connection between your physical strength and all that God has called you to in all of your life. It's really interesting with... Um, dehydration a lot of times they misdiagnose it where people are dehydrated and don't realize it and they actually treat it with food and they start eating food and they throw all the food up because that's not their problem it was just a misdiagnosis you're actually dehydrated and you need fluids more than you need anything else and actually their desire to try to help the problem makes it worse and the reality is a lot of us are in that place where we're misdiagnosing the problem and sometimes what we think is a physical issue that we can't make our way out of is not just a physical schedule issue it is a spiritual issue and what is physical exhaustion is really the result of spiritual depletion and in this moment Jesus knew like I need some rest I need to get away we need to have a sustainable pace but I need connection with my heavenly father and I need the clarity that comes with that. 
I need the insight around my identity and calling that comes with that. And I'm not gonna be able to do what I've been called to do. And yet, less I am finding space with him, delighting in him, finding joy in him, getting away where I'm reminded of his love and his acceptance over my life and that I'm worthy because of what he's done, that I'm secure in my relationship with him, that he's for me. And until I'm creating space for that, it doesn't matter what I do. There's always gonna be a sense in which something is missing, something is not right, I'm not where I need to be. And this is the rhythm of Jesus' entire life. I need to have space to think, to pray, to connect with God, to be quiet. And Jesus, in terms of the way he lived, it was an absolute necessity. And somehow, we think it's not for us. Here's what's crazy. The more Jesus was in demand, the more Jesus had all of this stuff vying for his attention, the more Jesus was in this place of it was busy, we're overextended, we're a little bit tired right now, we can't operate like this forever. But every time Jesus was at his busyness or at his busiest and was in demand, what you find is that Jesus doesn't find less time to do this, he actually finds more time to do this. That in this moment, he realized everything is pushing against this. And it's the say, and, and it's true with us, or really the opposite is true, is in those moments where we're in demand, we're at our busy, busiest, we're overwhelmed, everything is vying for our attention, which is for a lot of us, a lot of our lives. This is the first thing to go. In fact, I put in my notes, creating space to connect with God is the first to go rather than the first place we go. And it's just this thing, and I get it. You just feel the pressure. I can't do that. I don't have time for that. I've gotta make sure whatever. And yet this is the thing Jesus is going, no, I understand it, but what you don't realize, it is depleting your energy. It is causing you to lack clarity and awareness. You're not present in any of those moments. And sometimes what you need more than anything else for what you are confronting and facing is you need me. You need to know me, you need a connection with me and you are not going to find it without space and without time and without seeking me first and allowing your soul to catch up with your body. And so I want you to come to me because here's what's true that we've kind of looked at throughout this whole series. There is a spiritual payoff to your pace. And the thing that you have to understand as you look at the current lifestyle and pace of your life you have to recognize that you are going somewhere spiritually and that we can't just magically like, God, I just wanna know you, I wanna connect with you and not do any of the things that as you look at the life of Jesus actually result in connection with God and yet a lot of times our pace is leading us into a place where there's no awareness, there's no wisdom, there's no connection and we are foregoing the very thing that Jesus said, like this is literally your lifeblood. If you wanna know me, it's not a mystery. I want you to connect with me. I want you to follow me. I want you to come to me. And more than any other time, 2021 crowd, everything in culture is gonna war against that. And it's gonna be more difficult than ever. But I'm telling you, Jesus would say, I want to connect with you. So I wanna give you two things and I'm gonna be done. I'm gonna wrap this whole thing up. And again, I think these are in some ways the most countercultural, and I'll talk about this in a second, but have been hijacked. But I want you to begin to at least move, and I'm gonna challenge you to do something for 30 days, is to create silence and spiritual reset. 
Silence and spiritual reset. Silence and spiritual reset. And and this is so like 101, like freshman level. And yet it is the thing that maybe is most lost in terms of our spiritual pursuits. We're talking about everything else other than what literally is the core of what Jesus modeled. And it's not very complicated to understand, but it is so difficult to do. Silence and spiritual reset. So here's what I wanna encourage you to do. I wanna encourage you, and some of you just need to start small, because if you evaluate your life in regard to silence, there's no time you're silent. Other than when you are asleep, there's noise every other time. C.S. Lewis wrote, I mean, years ago, way before he knew our current culture, he said, it's like the universe is just entirely filled with noise. And so you need to figure out how to create quiet space in your life. And I'm gonna get here in a second, but so much of Christianity, we wanted to boil it down into little three-step things. Like, well, if you just read your Bible, it's gonna be great. If you just spend a little time in praying, it's gonna be great. And you should do those things. The most overlooked discipline in regard to our spiritual journey is you can do that all day long and get nothing from it. One of the chief things that you need in connection with relationship with God is to turn off all of the noise and just find quiet. And listen, I get, oh, you're crazy, dude. You don't know my schedule, my kids. Okay, I understand. I've got four kids, eight, six, four, and one. I understand a little bit of the craziness. It's hard. But for so many of us, we don't understand what is at stake. So I wanna encourage you to do two things because there's two kinds of noise. There's external noise and there's internal noise. External noise is difficult too, but the more difficult is the internal. But you need to find some space where you turn off all the external noise. Like no, no headphones, no phone, In fact, phone may be not even present because you'll just wanna reach for it. I told you the statistic several weeks ago. If your phone is in the room, even if it's not turned on, studies will say you are dumber. Just your phone being in the room, all of your reasoning skills go down. So get the phone out of the room. You'll actually be smarter for a few minutes. Create some quiet, no TV, no music, no phone. Like if you're in a dorm room, try to find, and I know this is hard, some space where Fortnite is not blaring down the hallway. Like just some kind of quiet space. And I'm telling you, if you can begin to create this and begin to move your mind around, I wanna connect with God, you will begin to feel the presence of God. It's not overnight, but I'm telling you, it's one of the ways where God's going, I wanna connect with you. And I'm not a mystery, I'm not hard to get a hold of, but you gotta create some space for this. But here's the second thing that's more difficult is you've gotta try to begin the discipline of creating internal quiet. And that is so hard to do. For a lot of us, we use external noise to quiet the internal voices in our minds. And you know what I'm talking about with those voices? It's... It's the voices of fear and guilt and shame. It's also voices of you get to the end of the day and you're rehearsing every freaking conversation in your mind and you're so worried about what everybody thinks and your mind is there constantly so that even when you have quiet, you don't have quiet. Your mind's moving to imaginary conversations and you've got relational conflict and you're constantly thinking about how you wanna handle that relational conflict. But all those voices of comparison and shame, and guilt, and this undercurrent of anxiety, and, and the toxicity of our own minds is kind of leading us into this trap where we can't ever heal because we can't ever confront. 
And so what we do is we just turn up the external noise to drown out the internal noise. But one of the most powerful spiritual practices of connecting with God is I'm gonna shut off the external noise. And then for some of you, as hard as it may be, I'm gonna shut down the best I can the internal noise. And I'm just gonna get some quiet. And for you, it may start with just five minutes, nothing. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna talk to you in an imaginary conversation in my mind. I'm not gonna say yes to the shame and the guilt. I'm not gonna rehearse every single conversation I have. I'm just gonna be quiet in this moment. God, I wanna connect with you. And for some of you, that's very difficult because here is why this is so important. It's why Jesus modeled it. Because in those quiet spaces that you do not wanna confront is where God wants to speak. And it's not like, you know, God is, you know, leading you into this place to make you miserable or bring up stuff you don't want to confront. It's that God constantly wants to go, hey, all this stuff that you feel, it's me and you against that. And I want to lead you beyond this. And the only way you're going to do it is start to spend time with me so that I can clarify, so that I can lead you, that I can begin to speak, that I can begin to wash over you who you are, what your identity is, and what your calling is. So you got to find some time where you just, you just remove all the internal and external, external noise. And the second thing is this, spiritual reset. And, and quiet in this, what I'm talking about with spiritual reset, sometimes are two different things. Again, you shouldn't just create space where I'm just gonna read the Bible and that's gonna be it. In fact, maybe you should read less of the Bible. You should read like a verse and then you should just create space for quiet. But create some kind, I'm gonna read a verse. Like I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna do, and, and listen, as you begin to do this, God will lead you far outside of this because one of the things I hate, and I don't have time, this is a whole nother series, but we boiled connection with God down to, I'm just gonna read a verse, I'm gonna pray, and those are incredibly helpful. But as you begin to create space and quiet, God will actually begin to bring things to the surface in terms of how you're wired to connect with God that'll take you way beyond that. God's everywhere. Like all truth is his truth. God is the God of creation. So you'll literally begin to be in tuned with God and finding connection with God all over the place. But you need to create some space. I just wanna say this. For some of you, this has been hijacked so badly. This is not about you doing anything for God. God's good. Like you reading a passage or praying, God's like, oh, thank you. Like I needed that. No, no, God's good. This is about you and your connection with God. God's going, I want you to love other people the way that I've loved you. This is simply about relational connection. Let me give you some advice that maybe you've never gotten before. If you grew up in some kind of legalistic, I just can't break the cords of that. And it just feels like law and duty. And I have to because, you know, God will. Then you should just stop for a while. Don't read the Bible. Create some space. And replace it with, with prayer, literally, and go, God, you know, you know what I've been given in terms of like this view of you, and I don't want that view any longer, and yet I wanna connect with you. So you know what I'm struggling with. I wanna connect with you. I wanna break the chains of legalism. I don't wanna ever do this again where it's I'm doing something to earn God's favor. And so I just want you to lead me there. So I'm just gonna be super honest with you. I'm just gonna put this on the table. And so I'm asking that you would just create some space so that I can move back into this again. But when I do, none of those thoughts will ever be present again. And I will do it from a place of freedom to go. I'm already loved, accepted, worthy, secure in Jesus. So I don't need any of that. God's good, but God wants to connect with me. And that's all it is. This isn't about I'm trying to please God. God is already pleased. God has already done everything for me. And now he's just inviting me into relationship. So if you are in the chains of legalism, break the chains, begin to spend some time in prayer and allow God to begin to restore your soul to come back to a place where you never go back to that again. 
but just create some time for spiritual reset. And then I'm gonna end it with this, but listen, what you give attention to, as we said throughout the season, directs you. What are you giving attention to in terms of your spiritual health and the trajectory of where you're going in regard to your connection with God? Because what you're doing today is leading you to where you're gonna end up tomorrow. And I know for for so many of you, like the desire of your heart is I wanna connect with God. I somehow wanna recapture this. For others of you, I wanna get this for the first time in my life. and when you, when you don't do this, when you don't create space for this, like you, you know the consequences. You just always feel distant. I think one of the huge things like in our culture is we're constantly, we're constantly getting this hit of somebody else's spirituality. I just need another podcast. I just need another book. I need another podcast. I need another book. We have more information in the history of the world, but I don't think we're any further along because we're always getting a hit off of somebody else's spirituality and we don't have any faith of our own. And God's going, I want to connect with you. And when you're not connected with me, there's this sense of I don't feel the presence of God. I don't feel the power of God. I don't feel that God is, is near. I, I'm, I'm a lot of times lacking clarity about what my identity and calling and will and destiny is. And then there's this, this kind of low-grade anxiety, and we think the answer is like, yeah, I just, I just need a night out. I just need some wine. I just need some essential oils, and that's great. Do all those things. I just need another whatever. I need to get away. I'm going to binge it away. And All of those things are great, but in a lot of cases, we are misdiagnosing what is going on inside of that us, and that is not the thing that you need in the moment. You need a connection with your heavenly Father, and what's happening is you are isolating yourself from connection, and you are an easy target for the enemy. And so Jesus is going, listen, I want you to come to me. And here's the reality. I love what James wrote in James 4, 8. Come near to God and God will come near to you. Like you get to choose the level of relationship with God that you want. Just hear me for a second. You get to choose the level of relationship with God that you want. And what James is saying is not not that God has been distant. This is what I love about relationship with God. God will never force his way on you. He's going, no, no, I, I just want you to want me. I just want you to want relationship with me. So if you come near to me, mark it down, take it to the bank, I will come close to you. You will feel my presence. You will feel my power. I will work in your life. I will clarify your identity and calling and I will give you the strength that you need for this next season of your life. But you have to come to me. So I wanna encourage you for 30 days to do this. Pick a time, pick a space, create a plan. Pick a time, pick a space, create a plan. Pick a time and again, like th- this could be different, but I just want you to be strategic of like you do anything else in your life that is a priority. I'm literally, and this is so crazy, nobody does this. This is the ultimate to hell with normal. I'm going to create space in my life where I'm just quiet. Like there's just nothing. I'm shutting off everything. And at least for 10 minutes, I'll just start there. Like all of the world's gonna go away. And then I'm gonna take like maybe two minutes and I'm gonna read a verse. I'm gonna have some kind of plan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for a second. Like if you're just starting, like put the training wheels on and just go and God will begin to work. But I'm gonna create some space. I'm gonna create a plan. I'm gonna pick a time and I'm gonna allow this to begin to be the rhythm of my life. And I'm telling you, God will begin to work. Like there's some stuff going on in your life that you don't have any awareness about. And as you begin to connect with your heavenly father, he is really good through the spirit of God of revealing some things that you didn't even know were going on that are spilling out into other relationships of your life. So pick a time, 
create some space, have a plan. And I'm just gonna tell you, most of the significant moments in my life where God has spoken and clarified things, it has been in those moments where there's just quiet, there's nobody or nothing else around. And it's hard to explain. And I don't like to teach a lot of ethereal stuff because it just gets weird. The scripture is so practical, but there is something about it. When you create this rhythm of space and time and quiet and, and just allowing God to work, that, that God will work. God will speak. The whole idea of God feels so distant, God has not gone anywhere. And in fact, the desire of his life is to connect with you as his son and his daughter. I'll never forget being on a beach, really strategic time in my life, and I, I, and I, would, I would read the gospels and really take seriously about what Jesus did in creating rhythms of big seasons and realizing, no, I, need, I need to get away, I need to get some quiet. And it, it was the most strategic season of my life where I was trying to figure out where God was leading me. And so I, I went away to the beach and, and turned everything off and got quiet and, and read the scriptures a little bit, but I just did a lot of like nothing, just listening to God. God, what do you want? I have no clue. And I'm not trying to over-dramatize this, but this is maybe the most dramatic moment in my life where I've seen God work in that quiet moment. That was, those were the moments over those days that God clarified, I want you to start Center Point Church. This is my vision for it. I remember reading the story of Jonathan and David and this incredible story that I've taught about before where Jonathan against all odds just said, no, no, I'm, I'm gonna go. God, maybe you're gonna be with us and I'm, I'm just gonna have the faith to do it. And it's like God never spoke audibly, but man, the impression on my heart and soul was so deep. I left that time to go, I know exactly what God wants me to do. I know exactly what God has for my life. I know exactly what I've been called to do in this next season. I know what I need to say no to. I, need to, I know what I need to say yes to. And that only happened because of those quiet places to go, God, I just want you to speak. Those moments where we've walked through tragedy and God gave me Psalm 46. And for whatever reason, it just lit up my soul and carried me through that season. And it was like God spoke through that. Like God desires to connect with you and God's power is found in the space between your pace and your limits. And if you don't create the space, you won't experience it. So I just wanna challenge you for 30 days. Take 15 minutes. I don't want that 15 minutes to be filled up with stuff. Read one verse if you only have 15 minutes and then spend about 10 minutes of those just in quiet and going, God, I wanna connect with you. God, I want you to lead me. God, I want you to show me. God, I want you to start to reveal some things that I'm not even seeing, but God, I wanna connect with you. And I'm gonna end with just the verse that we started this series with in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, because it is the most clarifying invitation that Jesus gave. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and feel disconnected and lost and like, where is God at? Come to me. And I, the answer is a person. The answer is you need connection with your heavenly father. You need connection with Jesus. I will give you rest. So as you begin to implement what we've talked about in this series, this is what Jesus modeled. You have to build rhythms into your life that are literally resistance and they're doing war against normal to go, I'm gonna do this because I'm making the declaration over my life to hell with normal. The enemy is not going to kill my joy, is not going to destroy my relationship with God, 
is not going to kill my peace, is not gonna rob me of the life that Jesus came to give me because Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. And so I want you to follow me. I want you to come to me. I want you to find the answers in me. I want you to adopt my lifestyle and I will draw as close to you as you want me to, but it is up to you. So to hell with normal. Jesus, I wanna follow you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you so much for how practical your word is. I thank you that 2,000 years later, you are still speaking, you are still moving. And Lord, I pray for some of this as elementary as it may seem. It is life-changing. It is one of the most powerful principles taught and modeled in the New Testament that literally, and many could tell this story who are listening online or listening via radio or physically in the house today, it can change the trajectory of your life. And so God, I pray that you would give us wisdom around what we have learned in the series. I pray that you would give us courage to do it. And, and maybe there's not a series that requires more courage than this one because it will play on all of our insecurity, all of our fear, We'll have to step outside of what is normal, what everybody else is doing. I pray that you would give us the courage to do that, that you would clarify for us what is at stake and that we would follow you and that we would realize that your way is better and that you have a will and a plan and a destiny for our life. And we pray this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.